paperback readers. That's Julie, I'm Joe, and despite the haze of cold medicine, which might render me uh, like Harry Carey this week, I'm going to tell you about what I've been reading and what I think about it. Your voice is struggling still. I'm, I'm struggling, period. I'm, I'm sitting here, again, the, the great Cubs broadcaster Harry Carey is going to be a, an apt uh, comparison. I'm going to lapse into periods of wondering about the kid in the brown sombrero. You're just saying that because you've got the Cubs game on in the other room. That too, yeah. All right, Joe, what have you been reading? Oh, read a couple things. Uh, American R&B by Aaron Mendelson continued the series uh, that I did with my son last time. We did the hip-hop one. The R&B one I thought was particularly good. Uh, again, these are kid books, but they are really good uh, summaries of the history of particular musics. We're working on the American pop now. Uh, but the R&B one, I think I said in the hip-hop one, one of the cool things was they had a playlist with every chapter. And the R&B one, with the exception of a song or two, is actually clean enough that uh, we can throw it all on a playlist, which we've been doing and listening to. Is this the one you all were listening to yesterday when you all yelled at me because I skipped Billie Jean? It was, correct. Hmm. Yeah, fun fact. One of us, not me, <laughs> has a... A hate-hate relationship with Michael Jackson's Billie Jean. I don't know. That's not me again. I don't like it. Anyway, for those of us who do, uh, it's on the the playlist for the (laughs) 80s stuff. The the whole series, um, and I'm going to quickly try to find the name for the series. I mean, there there are five or six of the books. Like I said, we did the hip-hop. This one was American R&B. We're looking at American pop right now. Um, I know there's a country one. Of course, he's resisted that. Our, our son is, is not at all inclined that way, despite the fact that we really are. But uh, I like country music. Yeah, maybe maybe you can talk him into No, it, I think but. that that's why he doesn't like it, because my lack of knowledge about rap combined with my disdain for Billie Jean makes him think I don't have music taste. So. There you go. It's the American Music Milestones series. So we, we've enjoyed them, uh, and we'll probably continue with the set or whichever ones our library has through Hoopla, thanks to the library and Hoopla. Cool. Um, I continued my presidential quest. I read, and you really enjoyed this one. Yeah, The Last Founding Father, James Monroe, and A Nation's Call to Greatness by Harlow Giles Unger. He should have been president himself with a name like Harlow Giles Unger, but instead... He's a, a presidential biographer. <laughs> he, he actually did a John Quincy Adams biography. It came up again because I'm looking through the, the John Quincy Adams biographies. Thanks to Andy for sending the presidential biography uh, best of link. Yeah, that has been useful to you. Yeah, it's been totally useful. And I was like, ooh, this one sounds good. And I'm like, that's eh, actually the same guy. So I picked a different <laughs> John Quincy Adams. Uh, but I was tempted to stick with it because... Uh, Unger does a really good job with Monroe. I, I think the surprising thing, Five Presidents In, has been how much it's really just a matter of the individual biographer more than the subject. Uh, and Five Presidents In, my picking order would be David McCullough's John Adams, head and shoulders above the rest. Uh, but this book, I would put in a second tier right there with John Meacham's Thomas Jefferson book. Both very good, solid, readable biographies of American presidents. High praise. Yeah, and and then the Madison, uh, yeah, Madison and Washington would come somewhere below that. I mean, they were fine, but you know, if you want the breakdown, that's five presidents in. Those are the three tiers I see. And uh, Unger's book, it's only about three hundred and odd pages. It does a good job of synthesizing 
the times of Monroe. And he really is. He's like the last of the uh, Revolutionary War heroes. He was really young when the Revolutionary War happened. And thus he's kind of the last guy standing. I mean, after him, it's J.Q. Adams and Andrew Jackson. And, you know, Monroe's the President James Monroe Doctrine, as Dave Barry calls him in uh, Dave Barry Slept Here. I mean, that's pretty much the defining thing for him. But uh, gained some, some depth on the guy. Enjoyed the book. Good job. Good. What else? I also read a book called Bob Dylan, All the Songs, The Story Behind Every Track. Shout you out to... You were so excited about this book. Well, if I was when I got it like a year ago. It is 700 pages, and I've kind of slowly oh, thumbed never through mind. it. I got that confused with the new one. That's right. I, I am also you now reading Clinton Halen's new book, because Bob Dylan turns 80 tomorrow, so... Happy birthday, Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, you've brought me many hours of joy. Uh, if you like Bob Dylan, his Chronicles, despite how much Clinton Halen hates it, is really quintessential. It is brilliant. No, Chronicles is great. It's phenomenal. Um, books about Bob Dylan. I'll think about that because I am working on the Halen one. I'll have that finished well, next time. Well, just talk about this one. Where this one, this one? okay. Th- this is by two Frenchmen, Philippe Margotin and Jean-Michel Gaston. I'm guessing. That very much guessing. That was amazing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, these guys do different books of the same nature. I read their Beatles book, uh, and they go through the, the, the artist's canon and break down every single song. The problem is somewhere between the fact that by nature these guys are kind of generalists and that they're French and they write in French and this gets translated to English, there are some things that... Either they just flat got wrong or they didn't come across quite right. My favorite example of this, I was reading, uh, finished the book up this morning. I was looking about Bob Dylan's album Tempest, which was in like 2012. Uh, and there's a song on there about the sinking of the Titanic. It's a 14-minute epic song. And it's based off of an old Carter family song about the sinking of the Titanic. And in the footnotes... Uh, it's not even the footnotes. They've got a little sidebar thing, and they're like, incidentally, the Carter family were on the Titanic, uh, but they survived the sinking. And immediately I read it and I was like, no, no, they weren't. The Carter family were like yeoman farmers in southwestern Virginia in 1912. I actually looked it up. Sarah Carter was 13 years old then. Uh, I don't think the Carters ever went to Europe. Maybe Maybell did, but definitely not the whole group of them. And if they did, they sure weren't living in the lap of luxury to ride on the Titanic. So where that whole idea came from, I'm like, what? Huh? Huh? I'm still confused. This is such a like astonishing thing that it just this left off the, the page. This is the second time I've heard this story, and you're still just as astonished as the I, I am. Every time I look at the book, I'm like, maybe it's not there. Maybe I just read it wrong. Maybe it was Jimmy Carter, and he was somehow... I mean, that would be more likely at this point. Uh, he wasn't even born, but... Carter Isn't family it really? It's just funny been. how um, little things, little factual inaccuracies in a book can just throw you off the whole thing. Well, and, and that really was my issue with the book. I mean, I don't want to disparage the book because there's a ton of information in here, and the vast majority of it seems accurate. But they make some really silly mistakes in terms of who's playing on what song and when. There was a whole thing with the album Modern Times they said it was recorded in 2001, and that didn't even make sense. The album was recorded in 2005 or six, probably six. Uh, and I'm just talking off the top of my head. But 
you know, the thing is, if you're going to make a fact-heavy book like this, you got to get your facts right. Because the people who want to read 700 pages about Bob Dylan already know everything about Bob Dylan. Exactly. So don't mess it up. So yeah, don't 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 get it wrong. Or if you do, suffer the wrath of English-speaking <laughs> fools like me. I just, I mean, I, there are so many Bob Dylan fans like you who remember the date of the night that they proposed because of what Bob Dylan played at a concert they weren't even at that night. So. You know, you have to. You have to. Keep. I mean, the way that he played Philadelphia that night, he opened with "Wait for the Light to Shine," the old England Brothers song. I don't I understand. Do know that. I, this is just not. This is so far outside what I do. <laughs> but I know this is. I mean, this is how you are. So yeah, you, yeah. these facts have to be right for the book. I'm, I'm, in my defense, I, I don't. Uh, I don't live that way as much as I used to. There was a time in my life when, when literally, yeah, I could track everything by by Bob Dylan. Um, Still love him and enjoy reading what people say about him. And the new Clinton Halen book uh, seems both really interesting and fairly controversial because Halen likes to gaslight everybody else who has the audacity to write about Dylan. So, well, and jumping back to my making fun of you, I don't, I can never remember what the date was of the night you proposed. So you can at least remember it. So November the seventeenth. So yeah, <laughs> I, I've got that going. So forward. yeah, it's it, it it's a good thing. However, you keep your important dates together. Uh, that's true. Well, okay. I wouldn't rely on these guys because they'd probably get it wrong. <laughs> but it was a fun book. It, it, you know, if if you, but that's the trade-off. If you care enough to read seven hundred pages about Bob Dylan, you want this crap right. And if you don't care enough to read 700 pages about Bob Dylan, all the 98% that's correct and the cool photos and stuff probably is irrelevant to you. So there's that. And that it, that's it for you? Yeah, that, other than the combined book, which I've dabbled in, yeah. Okay. Um, I read four books. The first one is called How Lucky by Will Leach. This was another book of the month book. And again, if you're interested in book of the month, um, send us a message and I'll get you a discount code. But I was not really sure what I wanted to get. And you said, oh, Will Leach, I really like his writing. I remembered Will from Deadspin, yeah. And the premise of the book was really interesting. So I grabbed that thing and I was completely happy that I did. Um, the book follows a disabled narrator who witnesses a kidnapping and the way that he tries to get to the bottom of what went on there. Um, it was funny. It was profound. It was light. It was meaningful. I couldn't put it down. Everything you want in a book. Um, then I reread Mudhouse Sabbath by Lauren Winner. I love Lauren Winner. I first read her with Girl Meets God. Pan, we were first married. It was one of the ones that I checked out from the library. You probably know what date you read it on, even. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but I do remember getting it from that library when we first got married. Um, and um, Mudhouse Sabbath just it um, is a series of essays. Lauren Winner was an Orthodox Jew who converted to Christianity. And in Mudhouse Sabbath, she writes essays based on different Jewish, different practices that she thinks Jews do better than Christians, like celebrate the Sabbath. So it was, it's a, it's a really interesting um, read to give you a glimpse into Jewish culture and to see the ways that the two combine and inform each other. I've read this. This is probably my third or fourth time to read it, and I learn something new from it every time. We have a, uh, a local congregation of, uh, of uh, 
I'm blanking on the the term for messianic Jews. Yes, correct. Uh, and I, and I'm always kind of intrigued. Yeah, because of the historical roots of Judaism. <laughs> Uh, and, and how intriguing it seems to me. It's one of those things that's kind of always on my bucket list. Of course, COVID has kind of shifted the bucket list greatly, but, uh, you know, hopefully getting to the point in the not distant future, maybe maybe I can go uh, check them out just because it's, it's, it's too intriguing to not gain a little bit of knowledge on. Then I read, So We Read On, and it has a subtitle, but I didn't write it down and I don't remember it. <laughs> but it's um, by Maureen Corrigan, and it is a literary criticism, sort of, of The Great Gatsby. Um, I've read, this is my second time to read this book, I think. Um, but every time I read it, it makes me want to read Gatsby again, which is ironic because when I actually read Gatsby in middle school and then high school, and I think I read it again in college, I was not enamored of it any time. I thought it was fine. It was one of the better things that we read, but it was not, you know, it was not like Jane Austen for me or um, Charlotte Bronte. I was not putting it down on my, like F. Scott Fitzgerald was not an all-time favorite author for me. And yet there is something, even if it wasn't a favorite, there's always something in, the, in Gatsby that doesn't quite let you go. Mm -hmm. um, I was not sorry to have read it those three times. And as I look at um, the way she talks about it, and um, Maureen Corgan is, um, she runs a podcast for NPR. She led some of the talks about The Great Gatsby all around the country several years ago when NPR. Um, you did their like great read. Yeah, that's it, it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Um, which, so she talked to people all over the country about it. She obviously knows everything about Fitzgerald. And it just, it, it just made me think about the novel in a whole different way, which is what you want. With, uh, that's how you know literature is great when you can read it again and again and then hear other people talk about it and still find it interesting I was an English major who never especially liked to read literary criticism and this is not true I, I guess it's not really true more of an literary. appreciation yeah. isn't it yeah. but this was just it was a really really interesting book to read if you liked Gatsby if you were kind of on the fence about Gatsby, interested in it, but um, it, it was never a favorite, this might be something that you would be interested in. Well, and I identify very much with your, your thoughts. It was not a book that immediately hooked me. Uh, I think of this a lot of the way I think of The Sun Also Rises. And, and, you know, spoiler alert here, I'm a little bit of a class warrior in terms of literature. I really struggle with the literature of, oh, let us pity the poor rich people who are unfulfilled in their... You know, decadent lifestyles. But that's not what Gatsby's about. It really isn't that at all. <laughs> no. But yeah, I struggled with it probably because of that. And and it's definitely been a book. Every time I've read it, it's meant more to me. And I've gotten closer to seeing why it might be the quintessential American novel. I think with Gatsby for me, um, the first time I read it, I was very caught up in the rich people and Tom and Daisy. Daisy was where I put my attention. And then maybe the next time it was really more of Nick. Who are you? Why are you telling us the story? And then finally I actually got around to who is this great Gatsby. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's his name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're, they're just, every character in it is fabulous and has its own depth to look into. It's just, anyway. It yeah, is. And the symbols, and the green at, light and the big eyes. No, but look at this. Here I am being like, this was never my favorite. And now I'm, I'm really excited talking about oh, it. Oh, crap. It's great. Anyway, that this book got me fired up about it again. So in a, a little while, maybe this summer, you may hear me talking more about Gatsby if I reread it. The last one um, I read is My Grandmother Asked Me to Tell You She's Sorry by Frederick Bachman. Huge Frederick Bachman fan here. And this book has been on my bookshelf well over a year, 
I mean, for ages. I picked it up at a used bookstore because um, it's Bachman. I love Bachman, so I'll read anything that he writes. And this is the first thing that I've read by him that I didn't really like. Um, it wasn't a bad book. It was um, a poignant book. But I'm really used to Bachman mixing humor and sadness and just like mixing the whole of human experience. And this book just hinged really, really hard on the sadness. And that's kind of hard to read. And it's, it's hard to pick up and want to keep reading when it's just sad and every character is sad and, and it's hard. It's very real. Um, it's, it's, it's a worthwhile book. It was a good book. It was just not a book that I sat down night after night and was like, yes, let me get back to this. It was more of, I know this is going to be good. So let me keep pushing through these pages. So if you're not a Bachman follower. I wouldn't start here. Yeah. A Man Called Uwe or, oh goodness, what's the other one? What's oh, the, the newest other one, that's one. so good. Yeah. We've talked about it. Yeah, we have. <laughs> it's on here. Oh, gosh. Anyway, listen to past episodes and you'll find it. It's a really good book. I'm going to Google it while we, we move on to other things so that I can at least drop it in. But yeah, okay. both of those are superb. And then I read a, a, a kind of thin book he did. Oh, we uh, both read it about for, fatherhood. For dads, we, yeah. We talked about it when we talked about um, the new book whose name we cannot remember. <laughs> but anyway, those are all those are all good. I Man, can Google slow. I can vouch for them. Okay, let's move on. Um, the book that we told you last time we would read this time is Peculiar Treasures, a biblical who's who by um, another Frederick by Frederick Beekner, um, whom we have also mentioned on this podcast before because we are huge Beekner fans. Let's look at what this particular book is about. Joe, take it away. Well, I thought about talking about it, but in the time I could take to talk, I could just read it, and hopefully I'm not violating copyright law by giving this brief summary from Quotation the author's from note. Book. Yeah, this is, this is from the gift horse's mouth. A few years ago, I wrote a book called Wishful Thinking, a theological ABC, in which I tried to shake a little of the dust off a lot of moth-eaten old religious words and put some color back in their cheeks. It was my plan in this book to try the same stunt, with a lot of the moth-eaten old saints, prophets, potentates, and assorted sinners who roam through the pages of the Bible. But when I got my, for my, what I got for my presumption was exactly the reverse. Who did I think was moth-eaten? They were the ones who shook the dust off me, as things turned out. And if there's any color, either in my cheeks or in these pages, it's mostly because they put it there. And that sums it up pretty well. Um, it really was the first of his books I've read, and I've gone through a half dozen or so since. But, you know, the, the, the idea seems simple. You choose the who's who of the Bible. Who's your, your 50 big names or your 100 big names? And it's not exhaustive. I mean, I'm sitting here with a paperback copy that runs to 205 pages. It's a pretty thin little book. But... It's really all in the execution and the way that he does breathe new life, or maybe they just breathe new life off the pages into some sort of a three-dimensional reality that makes you see uh, them as peculiar treasures, which well, is a scriptural reference itself. One of the things that makes that people, one of the reasons people say that they don't read the Bible is because it's old, it's boring, it is dusty, and. Ba uh, Bachman. 
Beekner does a really good job of contextualizing what those characters are actually about and presenting them not in a way where it's where it's like, oh, they are these big, untouchable biblical heroes. But when you read this book and you read about the characters, you recognize yourself in them. They come across as the flawed human beings that they actually were, saved by the grace of God and used by him in spite of themselves to do great things for the glory of God. I know when I used to read the Bible and you hear about it in Sunday school, almost sometimes um, biblical characters like David and Moses, they would come across as being great in themselves. They were just wonderful. They were beyond the pale. They were different from you and me. But the truth is that they were, they were just guys who loved God and allowed themselves to be used. And um, Frederick Buechner brings that out in such a way that you feel massive empathy for um, people who have been put up on pedestals and have seemed so untouchable. And I think the goal, too, is to help you realize that if you love God and are willing to be used, you, too, can be used. But it's not about you and it's not about them. It is all about God. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were talking about this earlier, and I said, you know, I mean, you take Moses, you realize there's nothing intrinsic in Moses that makes him able to, to you know, part the Red Sea. It, it, it's not anything in him. He's just a person in a situation where he chooses to follow, and because he does, it's there for him on that one day, which is the only time it matters, uh, which is... is you know, yeah, life-altering, but also humbling because you know, there's nothing special in me either. But if I'm paying attention on the day when something needs done, who knows? So favorites in here. For me, David. Anytime that David is mentioned, and he comes up quite often. He's got his own entry, of course. But just any he he comes up in so many other people's entries too i find david fascinating and he's one of the few that i think seems human even in the bible if that makes sense oh sure but he comes across really well in this book another favorite for me i think the book opens up really well with adam um he modernizes some of this too mm-hmm. and i think that helps as well adam i believe if i'm remembering correctly in his entry is pictured as like chilling in front of the tv with a drink And something just catches his attention. I mean, you read this about Adam, and he's kind of um, villainized. He and Eve both are for wrecking it all at the fall. And now we all suffer because of their mistakes. But when you read what Beekner has to say about Adam, you think, oh, yeah, that's me too. You know? Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it makes... It takes it out of just that one individual sin that wrecked everything, and then you realize, no, it's my sin too. I I am as much the problem as Adam was the problem, and you can love him. Sure. It's okay. Jacob for me, yeah. um, because Jacob's the, the, the trickster, the shyster, the guy who's looking for an angle on everybody until one night he realizes he didn't have to look for an angle. He never did. Um Grace is, is the only angle that's going to make any difference. And however clever you are, as great as you are, man, you'll never be greater than yourself. Uh, somebody wrote that. Somebody indeed. <laughs> 
Anyway, if you have never read Beekner, this is I, this is the best place to start. Yeah, again, it's a thin book. It's the, the chapters stand on their own. Uh, I was reading it with our daughter, and I would do a letter or a couple of letters, depending on uh, you know. You, you'll go through some letters. There's only I mean, like for instance, the bees here. I'm flipping through. There are four names in the bees, so the bees go pretty quick. It's about six pages. Well, I do want to say too that this is not a children's book. No, and no, no, in no, no. many ways, as I've read it with our daughter, there there are. I'm not sure she's old enough for it, really, um, because this book deals in all ways with the mystery of faith. And I mean, she's old enough for lots of it. Like, she understands it. She gets it. some of it, yeah. She does. But there are many things in this book that you also have to grow into, just as you have to grow into your reading of the Bible. So I don't know. I'm not saying, oh, she shouldn't be reading it, because she should. It's wonderful. Yeah. You get things out of it. But... Um, it's written for a mature Christian, I think. Well, it is, but it's a reread. It's it's a keeper. It's yeah. one that I think if you go back through it, it'll acquire new dimensions again. You know, the beauty of it is you read the stories that Beekner tells and you're going to go back to the source text and you're yes. going to read it there. And, and the more, you know, they feed off of each other in the way that any kind of good commentary... I mean, like you're talking about with, with Fitzgerald. I mean... The best kind of writing about any other kind of art is the kind that makes you want to go back and pull out the record or pull out the Great Gatsby or pull out the Bible and go back to the source text and dig back in and re, re you know, struggle with that again. And then, you know, maybe the next time you come back to your appreciation, there's something else there for you. And that's, that's really, you know, it's kind of addition by multiplication, which is a pretty cool thing. I want to say thank you to any of you who have been reading this along with us. Um, I know for sure. Give a shout out to Christy. She reread this book um, over the past couple of weeks so that she could hear what we had to say and then let us know what she thought as well. So um, if any of you have read this book or um, are interested in it, whatever, just let us know for sure. You can email us at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com or leave us a message on social media. Any of that will work for next time. We are going to read a book that I mentioned earlier, How Lucky by Will Leach. It's that book of the month club book that I got and I read and I loved it and you already you loved it. You read me a couple of blurbs yeah. that had me, I'm like, okay, I got to check this out. <laughs> and you already love Will Leach. So yeah, we have done um, some older books for several rounds now and this mm -hmm. one's going to be a, an, an absolutely brown, brand new one and it's going to be fiction and we can't wait to talk to you about it. So if you're interested in discussing with us, find a copy of How Lucky by Will Leach, and we will be talking about it in two weeks. That's right, and thanks for reaching out, thanks for listening, and in the meanwhile, keep reading.